Good morning. It's good to see you all out. It's been a joy to worship with you thus far. And I just want to say how much I appreciate the thought that has been put into those who help lead us in our worship. From the prayers that we've prayed and the thoughts that John shared with us at the Lord's table, both Kevin and Brad had reached out inquiring about what the lesson was going to be about today so that they could direct some of the songs that we sing, as well as the comments that we began with to help frame our minds around what we're going to spend our time studying this morning. That means a lot to me, and I think it aids in our worship, and I very much appreciate that and the diligent thought that has been put into all of the things that we've done this morning. As Jeremy and I both have mentioned uh, periodically over the past several months, there is a box in the foyer when you first come into the building uh, that has been labeled question and answer, and occasionally we have done some question and answer style lessons where we'll address some of the specific questions that have been asked. That is always available. If you have questions that you'd like to ask, you're welcome to put questions in that box. We check it from time to time. And we received a question uh, recently, and sometimes those questions get put to the side until the next Q&A lesson rolls around. Uh, But this one, we both thought as we talked a little bit about it, warranted some consideration and some deeper study. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that question that was submitted, and it centers around this idea of repentance. And I'd like to, to read to you the question that was submitted. It was anonymous. I want to read to you the question, and then we're going to kind of dissect that and begin to think about what the Bible has to say around this idea of repentance. So the question was this, what does repentance before baptism mean? John, that's John the Baptist, John taught repentance before Jesus came. Then Peter told the people to repent and be baptized. Then we sing songs like, just as I am, and we talk about God accepting us wherever we are, and it sounds like all we need to do is be baptized. Is something required before baptism? A really thoughtful question, and an important one. And I love that Brad chose to sing Just As I Am. It's a beautiful song. We're going to talk a little bit about what that plea really means when we sing a song like that this morning. This idea of repentance and and what it is and the role that it plays in our salvation is one that all of us have to take into consideration. We all have to be thinking about repentance. The question alluded to Matthew chapter 3, where John the Baptist spoke as Jesus was coming. And John said this, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 3, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The other passage that was alluded to in the question itself was from Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. This being on the day of Pentecost as Peter was concluding his sermon. And the question was asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter's response to them in verse 38 was repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to repent? I decided to look that word up in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And what I found actually caught me by surprise just a little bit because I thought I would look in my concordance and begin counting how many times that word shows up in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. If somebody wants to do that, good luck to you. I'm sure somebody has done it. I probably could have looked it up. But it's, oh, it's in the hundreds, multiple hundreds of times throughout the Old and the New Testament that this word repent shows up. In the Hebrew, it shows up over 600 times at least. That's where I stopped. But at least over 600 times, the word shub, that's the Hebrew word that is translated as repent, shows up. And the definition of that word is very simple, to turn back or to return. Let me give you just a few examples of the use of that word in the Old Testament where it is translated as repent. Job chapter 42 is the first one. You can turn to these if you'd like. We're going to move through them fairly quickly. Job chapter 42, and this comes at the end of the book of Job when God has responded to Job and kind of put him in his place, so to speak. And Job says, beginning in verse 5 of Job chapter 42, speaking to God, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Another example in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 6. Ezekiel being one of the prophets that are prophesying to the people of Israel as the impending destruction of Babylon is coming. And Ezekiel says, or God says to Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 6. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent. Turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. The last example in Hosea chapter 11, another one of the prophets, this time speaking of the impending Assyrian captivity, as the Lord is imploring the people of Israel turn from their sin, Hosea says this in Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 5. He shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king because they refused to repent. Time and time and time again in the Old Testament, this idea of repenting, of turning back to God to avoid impending destruction or impending judgment is seen. But it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. It shows up many, many times in the New Testament as well. A very similar definition to the Greek word that's used in the New Testament that we translate as repent, to change one's mind or to change one's purpose. We've already talked about a couple of examples where that shows up in Matthew chapter 3 and Acts chapter 2. But let me just give you a couple of others. In Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, This is after Jesus and his disciples have been rejected in Nazareth. We're told that they went out and preached that people should repent. One last example in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30. As Paul is in Athens speaking to the courts there, he says this, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. 
but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Time and time and time again, Old Testament, New Testament, God implores with people to repent, to turn back to Him. I love the Hebrew definition of the word that we translate as repent, because I think it helps us better understand exactly what we are being called to do. Yes, we are being called to turn away from sin. 100% we are being called to turn away from sin. But repentance isn't just turning away from sin. Repentance is turning back to God. We are returning to Him. You see, He created us to be in unity with Him. He created us to be like Him. And when we sin, we turn our backs on Him and we begin following the path of the wicked. Repentance means that we turn back to God. So there's two main takeaways that I want us to consider in regards to repentance and what it means for us. Number one, repentance has always been required to receive deliverance or salvation from God. Hopefully just the brief examination we did of just a few examples of that in the Old Testament and the New Testament solidifies that point, that repentance has always been required to receive deliverance or salvation from God. And number two, Repentance is an action on our part. Both of those are incredibly important for us to understand so that we can formulate in our minds what it truly means to repent. It is something that God has always required to be in unity with him, and it is an action on our part. To turn away from sin, yes, but to turn back to God. To change our purpose. To change the way that we think about our lives. And so that leads us to a couple of important things that I want us to consider as we continue to unpack this idea of repentance. The fact that repentance is an action on our part means that it is not the same thing as guilt. It is not the same thing as embarrassment. It is not the same thing as sorrow. When you think about each of these words that I've got up on the screen, guilt and embarrassment and sorrow, all important motivators that can lead us to repentance. But guilt, that's a feeling. Embarrassment, that's a feeling. Sorrow, that's a feeling. In fact, the reason I had us read from 2 Corinthians before we began is because Paul makes that very distinction when he writes to the Christians in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Sorrow and repentance are not the same thing. Paul's hope was that godly sorrow would lead them to repentance. I think it's important to consider this reality that these feelings are not the same thing as repentance 
Because sometimes I think it's easy for us, especially I was thinking about this from the perspective of a young child, for instance. For any of you parents out there, you'll be able to relate to this. If your child is three or four years old, can they feel guilt? Absolutely they can. If you tell your child to pick up their room when they're four years old and you go back five minutes later and they're still playing with the toys that you told them to put away and they look up and they see that you've caught them, they feel guilty. Now, at four years old, they have no concept of what sin is. At four years old, they have no concept of what being separated from God is and the damage that sin can do to their relationship with God. They have no concept and no understanding of that. But they have felt guilt. And therefore, when we look at things like this, it helps us recognize that guilt neither implies an understanding of repentance nor even a need of repentance. Because in order for repentance to be needed, there has to be an understanding that a relationship between me and God has been severed. Because remember, what's our definition of repentance? To turn back to God. A four-year-old child has no understanding of that. They look up at their parent that just caught them red-handed, and they feel guilt. They may feel embarrassment. They may feel sorrow. And those are God-given feelings that over time will help shape our understanding of repentance. And over time, as we better understand our relationship with God and what sin is and what sin does to that relationship, these feelings can serve as motivators to lead us to repentance. But in and of themselves, they are not inherently repentant in nature. And it's important that we understand that so that we can help train our children to understand what they're feeling, to help train them as they grow and mature and develop an understanding of sin. And for us as adults, those same feelings continue to help motivate us when we do something wrong to recognize what we have done and the need to turn back to God. The need to repent. One other thing that I want to make mention of that repentance is not, and it is not the same thing as forgiveness. And again, I want to take you back to our basic definition and understanding of repentance. Repentance, remember our second big takeaway, repentance is an action that I do. I have to repent. God forgives. There is no amount of repentance that can save me. God and his grace is what offers me forgiveness. But if I'm going in the opposite direction of God and his grace, then there is no opportunity for me to accept that free gift of forgiveness that God has brought to this world. In order for me to accept God's gift of forgiveness and the grace that he is offering, I have to turn back to him. And so there's a distinction to be made between forgiveness and repentance. And clearly, as we have seen in the passages we've looked at already, without repentance, 
Without repentance, there is simply no hope of reconciliation with God. We cannot continue to walk down the path of the wicked and seek to reconcile our relationship with God. We must turn back to Him. And so that brings us to the last part of this question. And again, I think a very important part of this topic to help us understand. The person who submitted the question asked specifically about some of the songs that we sing, such as Just As I Am, and God accepting us wherever we are. At least that's what it potentially sounds like when we sing a song like that. And so how do we, how do we reconcile our desire to be saved and our recognition that only God can save us and that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves with our need to repent. Well, I think in order for us to understand this, we have an opportunity to better understand God's love and his grace. Thinking about that question and thinking about what that looks like gives us deeper insight and deeper meaning into God's salvation for us. So, does God just accept us wherever we are? When we sing a song like, Just As I Am, is that just a plea for God to accept me in my sins? Well, here's the beauty of God's love and His grace for us. God does call you just as you are. And God does love you just as you are. But you cannot remain just as you are. And there enters repentance. So when Peter says in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized... He is imploring with those who have heard him preach the gospel message to turn back to God, to surrender to God like we just sung about a moment ago and surrender to his matchless grace and to his endless love and let him save you. What a powerful message that is. What a powerful message it would have been for those people to hear the gospel proclaimed and to recognize that wherever they are, wherever they are, God is calling them. Whatever they have done, God loves them. In fact, he loves them so much that he's going to change them forever. How powerful is that message? It's a message that changed the lives of thousands on the day of Pentecost, and it's the same message that changes the lives of people today. But in order for us to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given, we have to change. We have to change our purpose. We have to stop living for self. We have to stop living for our own desires. Start living for the one who died for us. Turn back to God 
and allow him to save you. That is a life of meaning. That is a life of righteousness. That is a life of purpose and fulfillment. So I'm going to ask you as we begin to wrap things up this morning to think about your life and where you are today. There may be some here who are thinking, man, I've been, I've been walking down the path of the wicked. I've been walking a sinful life for a very long time. There may be some, maybe some who, maybe you haven't been walking it very long, but maybe you sprinted down that wide road pretty quickly and you've gotten yourself lost really fast. God is calling you just as you are. He is calling you wherever you are. But he is calling you to turn around and turn back to him. He's not calling you to fix all your mistakes and then come to him at some later time once you've got your life all figured out. He's calling you to turn around wherever you are and to start walking with him instead of away from him. That is a picture of God's matchless grace and his endless love. And it is a picture of what repentance does for us. It turns us back to God and allows him to forgive, allows him to make us righteous, allows him to bring us into his family. So if you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, just as Peter did on the day of Pentecost and just as God has done throughout the ages, I want to implore with you to repent and be baptized. To turn back to God, to return to the one who created you, to return to the one who loves you, to the return to the one who can save you. And to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And to come up out of that watery grave new and free. And righteous before your creator. Maybe you've done that, but you've fallen back into sin. Maybe you have, again, turned away from God. Well, he's a God that loves and a God that forgives, and a God that is patient. And he's calling you to return to him. To turn back and renew that relationship that you once had with him. We all have an opportunity to leave here this morning confident in the relationship that we have with God, confident in the salvation that he offers. And maybe as you contemplate doing just that, maybe you realize that you need the support and you need the accountability of the Christians here. We would love to help you. Whether you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins or whether you need help and encouragement in renewing your relationship with God, we want to encourage you to come to the front and let us know as we stand and sing.